You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means.
everyone. We are so grateful that you are here this morning. Thank you for joining us and being part of what God is doing here, right here in Palmyra, right here at Victory Christian Fellowship. We want to welcome you. If you watch this, we welcome you. Whenever you see this, whether you're watching us live. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise for this day. You created this day so that we can rejoice and be glad in it, Lord, and we rejoice and are glad in you. The joy that you give us, Lord, is our strength to live and to overcome. And we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. All right, let's stand together. Are you ready to worship this morning? I praise in the daytime. I praise in the nighttime. I praise when I'm sure. Praise is believing. I praise because your mercy.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything. Let everything. That has breath. That has breath. Praise the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord in this house today. Lord, we have so much to praise you for in this place, and we worship you. We magnify the name of the Lord that's bigger, 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 bigger by much, much, much than anything else that we could ever think about. Hallelujah. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came and he died. Those walls are rubble now. Remember those giants we call death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead now. And this is our God. This is who He is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves us. Before the cross, He's a friend. Let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God.
Oh 
to do you said be holy for you are holy so Lord we be holy we're grateful to our God our loving Father and our King Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit whom you've sent thank you for working in us today thank you for dwelling in our midst this morning thank you for moving in this place And touching like only you can touch, Lord. Touch us with your goodness and your glory. Touch us with your love. Oh, we thank you, Lord. There's nothing like the touch of the Master. And Lord, we yield to you in the name of Jesus. We are yours to command. We are pliable in your hand. And you've called and equipped us to possess our land. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you're here and you speak to us. For I am the Lord Almighty, and I am a consuming fire. I will consume your inadequacy. I will consume your insufficiency. And my fire will purify. My fire will burn bright. My fire makes you precious in my sight. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Lord. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do an amazing job? Oh, we're so grateful to have such worship in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. You're glad to be here this morning? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 
Well, we like to speak the word, and we want you to join us as we make our confession of faith. Amen. God, God is, is very good, good to us. us. His, His Holy Spirit, Spirit reveals to us what God has freely given to us. We have and enjoy the good things that God has made available to us. We are greatly blessed by the Lord, and we possess the gates of our enemies. We are joint heirs with Jesus, and we take hold of all our inheritance. The Lord has separated us to himself, and he has given us territory to possess. Our land is fruitful, productive, thriving, and flourishing. God gives us his best. Wherever Father God has planted us, we take possession of our land. By doing God's commands, statutes, and judgments, we gain divine wisdom and understanding and become great in God's sight. We are God's people, his priests who minister to him. We eat the wealth of nations and prosper in God. Instead of shame, we have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, we shout for joy over our portion. Jesus is our portion. In our land, we possess double and everlasting joy belongs to us. God faithfully rewards us and makes an everlasting covenant with us. Everything that God has promised us has been made available to us, and we can possess it all. God establishes and confirms us in Christ, and he anoints us. We are never disappointed because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Everything in the Bible is for our instruction. We are encouraged by God's written word to have hope, and we overflow with confidence in his promises. We glorify, praise, and honor God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to see your lovely faces at VCF. And we thank you for joining us online. I can see your faces in the spirit. (laughs) Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship today, the first Sunday of November. Yes, it is the first Sunday of November. And we are celebrating after service in the Cove with some snacks and fellowship pastor appreciation month. So plan to join us and then Tuesday we have this generation at 125 that's our middle school outreach and then new generation that's our youth group in the evening at 6 p.m. and while we're on the youth new generation air force this Saturday is the second Saturday of the month so we have our monthly breakfast which is from 9 to 11 so youth come on out Invite a friend. And then Wednesday night refreshing is at 6.30. And then Thursday is Bible Adventure. You didn't know this is how you keep track of your week, did you? (laughs) I like this way. (laughs) Pastor Appreciation. And then we have 
youth, and then we have refreshing, and then we have the kids. This is good. (laughs) Okay, that's where our week stops for this week. You can have Friday and and, um, Friday to have your your runaround, whatever you want to do in November. (laughs) Okay, and then... Two special announcements. We've been announcing about um, Victory Crusade in Liberia. That is happening in less than two weeks. So we thank you for partnering with Pastor Doug, Gabe, and Steve Hoffman. As they go, they do the extra mile. (laughs) I should say the extra miles, right? And we get to support them with our finances and with our prayers. So that is happening. It's to bring healing, victory, and life to Liberia. There's going to be um, ministry specifically to pastors and then also crusades in the evening. So their goal is to reach the nation of Liberia. And so let's hook in with that, right? All right. Liberia for Jesus. (laughs) Woo! Okay, and then, oh, so your gifts can be marked Commission Club. Slow down. It's okay. I'm all excited. (laughs) And then, this is the best right here. Ready? Christmas. Christmas. We have some new flyers out. You'll see them posted around. It's one of Lisa's specialties. She likes to post things around, so catches your eye. Bless the Children Home Christmas list. I think this needs to be filled within the next week so that the barrels can be packed and shipped so that the children have these gifts on Christmas Day. So check it out. You can scan the code if you're a a code scanner, QR code, right? Or go to blessthechildrenhome.org. Is it org or com? If it doesn't show up, one way, try the other way. But it's bless the children home. <laughs> Can you get to it from our website? No. So you have to go to bless the children home. You can go to a Facebook page, bless the children home, or the website. And there will be um, a link for Christmas gifts. And it pops up in Amazon where Dr. Fiona created her Christmas lift, list gift. Oh, my. Gift list. I don't have a lisp. (laughs) But let's do some shopping for Blessed Children Home in Guyana and bless them and and, um, be a blessing to Dr. Fiona as she um, just uses her marvelous loving skills to bless us here and to reach the nation of Guyana as well. God bless you. I want to let you know something. I'm going to speak from here. Uh, I, w- I had a meeting with the social services of Guyana when I was there, and I found out that there are 17 orphanages in Guyana. But there's so many kids that need help. And uh, just in the last year or two, um, I believe two or three orphanages closed down, um, which left them with 17. They had about 20. And that includes the private orphanages and the the government orphanages and part of what happened uh, the ones that closed down had to do with um, uh, the starters the they were private orphanages and the people who started them died and no one wanted to take it over 
So um, us keep it, keeping the orphanage going was a blessing to the, you know, to the country and to the people there. And then my staff thanked me for keeping their jobs so that they can, because they, they, have, they see their position as a ministry, so they enjoy serving. But it's good when you can serve under good conditions. And so um, I'm happy to report that after maybe 20 days, yeah, after 20 plus days, we finally have a bank account in Guyana. It took that long to open a bank account. I'm just giving you an example <laughs> of how long it takes to do business. <laughs> and if I don't sign the check perfectly with the signature that I signed under duress, <laughs> the checks, you know, may have a problem. So we're doing alternative ways of getting our money out of the bank. But my point is, um, it's one thing for us to, when you think of those places where people are serving, the systems we have in America are a breeze compared to what has to happen over there. So I just want you to um, pray for the staff and for the kids in Guyana, even the kids we don't have. We recently received four new kids, their siblings. So uh, we had two kids. They were in the adoption system for six years. They finally have been adopted. The process finally occurred. <laughs> they waited six years to have these kids. When they wanted to adopt them, the family, they were six years old and five years old. So now they're teenagers. <laughs> and now they're, ado- they're finally able to go to their, their you know, forever home. So uh, the way we look at the kids we have, we consider Blessed Your Home to be their forever home because the things take so long. <laughs> So we have processes in place to train them up like they're living in a home with a mom and a dad, several moms, a couple of, just one dad right now <laughs> trying to hire another guy. That would be great. But we try to put things in place so like they're living in a home, right? So some of these things that you'll see on the list are household items that we absolutely need, and, um, and that's why the list is the way it is. But God bless you. Thank you guys for giving. Amen. And the, the checking account actually took longer because you had to send papers ahead of time and get that straightened out. It would have been longer. I have to try very careful that. <laughs> yes. I want to read to you something from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, <clears throat> starting with verse 12. You know, God designed his church like a body. And uh, there's a lot of similar characteristics of... Uh, a human body and uh, the church. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the Bible says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to, uh, have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Then he says, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, am I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? <laughs> How many know where the, where the body goes, the foot goes? <laughs> Amen? And, uh, and if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye... Where would the hearing be? If the whole 
body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, notice this phrase, as it has pleased him. Amen? God knows where people fit. God knows where people belong. And uh, he has made us a body. Amen? And I want to have Dr. Fiona come up because we're about to add to this body. Amen? And uh, this is always a good thing to do on the first Sunday. And uh, we're so excited. Uh, we would like uh, Teresa Varner and uh, Autumn Schlereth to come up. And we're going to receive them. And if uh, Billy and Trina, you want to come up with Autumn if you want, you can. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, our membership is, a, uh, we, we are a membership church and our membership process is very easy and it's uh, very beneficial and it's all based on relationship. And so uh, we're grateful and I want you all to uh, stand and just stretch forth your hands and uh we're going to welcome two new members into this body. Teresa, we're so grateful that you're a part of this body. Autumn, we're so grateful. Thank and you. just stretch forth your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you for the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have given uh, these young ladies, Lord. And we just bless them right now. We thank you for bringing them here. And, Lord, seal them with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we just thank you for working mightily in them and completing your work until you finish, Lord. And we give you thanks and praise that the blessings of God will overflow them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome, hallelujah. Welcome. Amen. What a glorious day. All right. Now, before we dismiss uh, the, ch- the kids... I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, we're going to look at the backside of giving. Did you know that giving has a backside? What's the backside of giving? That's the return. Amen? We like to talk about the front side of this verse, verses 6 to 9, but... I want you to look at verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So God's grace, uh, generous reaping stems from generous sowing. And God's grace abounds so that the needs of the giver are abundantly supplied. Say, I'm abounding. I'm abounding. Right? And he tells us to abound in every good work. <clears throat> and giving is an acceptable expression of thanks to God for his gift of Jesus. How many are glad for Jesus? Yeah. Amen? And we know that God is the greatest giver of all. For God so loved that he gave. Right? That's his MO, his modus operandi. And... Uh, God celebrates givers. So as we give into the kingdom, he receives it and he rewards you. Amen. 
So, Father, we give you thanks and praise that your blessing and your prosperity and your protection flow to every giver. And, Lord, we thank you for their gifts that are given unto you, Lord. And because we love you and you love us, Father, there's a great and wonderful exchange. And we call them blessed going out and blessed coming in. Wherever they are, they are blessed of you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Of course, you can give any time during the service. And uh, if you're watching online, you can go to our website for that as well. All right. Some amazing kids in this place with amazing, amazing teachers and volunteers. Have a good time. Have a great pr- time in your class. Praise the Lord. Be abundantly blessed. Hallelujah. Now we're going to get into the Word. Amen. Of course, we've already gotten into the Word, but we're going to dig into some more. You love the Word? Love the Holy Spirit? And how they work together? Thank God for the Word and the Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, ever since creation, God has given something to mankind that he will never interfere with, nor will he ever take away. And that is the freedom to choose. God created mankind with a free will. See, I have a free will. Yeah, God could have created a bunch of robots, right? That just automatically respond to him, but he created people in his image and in his likeness, and he created us with the ability to make choices. Because he God's a creator, so he has options. Amen? And uh we have the ability to choose between right and wrong. And God will never take that choice away. God God will never force a person to do his will. Now he has ways of persuasion, right? Um God but God will never take that ability to choose from us. And for every choice that we make on a day-to-day basis, there is either a reward or a consequence for that choice. And how many know we make choices every day, don't we? Some choices don't really have that great of effect. Like whatever you chose to wear today, it's not going to have that great effect. But there are choices in life that will impact the rest of your life. Right? And uh, so God intends for people to love and obey him freely. Amen? And God looks, God welcomes a person's loving response. I want you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, and we're going to begin there. Um, so what you say yes to and what you say no to can make a difference in your life. Right? How many have, has experienced consequences of your choices? How many has experienced blessings from your choices? Amen? You know, consequences and blessings are already included in the choice, right? And uh, they don't come afterwards. They're already included. (laughs) And uh, um, C.S. Lewis, he said this, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done, 
and those to whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. This is C.S. Lewis. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. And uh, no soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door is opened. And you know, the Bible tells us that hell was originally created for the demons. Not necessarily for people. But people who end up in hell, they chose to go there. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're actually going to start with verse 1. There's uh, 20 verses uh, in this chapter. And uh, it's important to start in the beginning so we can get the context. All right? Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 1. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you. I want you to see something before every person God set the blessing or the curse. He doesn't initiate which one. We get to initiate which one, the blessing or the curse. God just sets them before us. Amen? He says, which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind. Among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and you shall return unto the Lord your God, verse 2, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day, and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. That then the Lord your God will turn your captivity. Has he turned our captivity? He delivered us from being captive to sin. Hallelujah. We have been set free from sin. Say, I'm set free from sin. Glory to God. And have compassion upon you and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Has he gathered Israel from all the nations? Back in 1948, they they were not a nation for a long time. But back in 1948, God gathered them from the four corners of the earth. Right? And uh, he brought the nation of Israel back. By the way, uh, mark your calendars for Wednesday. November 15th, we're going to have a night of praise and prayer, and we want to focus our prayer on Israel. So we're going to have a night of praise and prayer. Uh, That's the Wednesday before I head to Liberia, so that's a good way to go out. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's get back here. Verse 4. And if you be driven out of the utmost parts of heaven, from there will the Lord your God gather you, and from there he will bring you. You know, no matter where you are, God can work. Amen. Verse 5, And the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. You know what? I just want to say God gave Israel a land. Amen. And that land's not going to be taken away from them. Amen. And uh, actually, the land that was given to Abraham was a lot larger than what it is today. It actually goes from Iraq to uh uh, the Red Sea, it's a large portion. Anyway, verse 6, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your uh, that you may live. You know, God wants you to live. He wants you to not only live, but he wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to have a rich life, a full life, a joyful life. Amen? Say, God wants me to live. Say, God wants me to enjoy life. And as long as our priorities are right, as long as we make good choices, 
life can be enjoyable. Amen? Yeah, there might be a hiccup here along the way, but uh, there's nothing that can come up that can't be solved, uh, overcome, or changed. Amen? All right? So let's go down to uh, verse uh, 11. All right, let's go down to verse 11. And uh, for this commandment which I command you this day is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say where, we, who should go up to us for us in heaven and bring it uh, unto us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Why, you know, God made his commands accessible. Why did he do that? So that we could do them. Amen? If you want to know how to make right choices, there's a book written about it. Right? Because in this book includes consequences for bad choices and blessings and rewards for good choices. Amen? And, and God made his commands available to us so that we could do them. They're not far from us. They're near us. And this is even quoted in Romans 10. All right? Verse 15. See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. Say, there are options before me. What are the options that are before you? Amplified says life, prosperity, and good. Everybody say life, prosperity, and good. All right? But the other option that is set before us according to the Amplified, is death, adversity, and evil. Say death and adversity and evil. So there are options before us, life and death, the blessing and the curse, right? But guess what? It's our choice. We get to choose which one that happens in our life. If we choose a curse, if we choose death, then that choice has its consequences. But if we choose life, if we choose prosperity, that choice has its blessings. Say, it's my choice. Okay? All right? Verse 16. In that I command you this day. Was, did he, is he suggesting something? What's he, he, this is a command, okay? What are you going to do with a command from God? Guess what? You get to choose, all right? To love the Lord your God. You know, that's a good choice. People got to choose to love God. Love is a choice and love is action. You know, when you choose to love someone, you're going to back up that choice with actions, aren't you? When we choose to love God, we're going to back up that choice with actions, right? And when we choose to love God, it's going to affect how we live, how we behave, and all that stuff, okay? So to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, you got to choose to walk in his ways. How many know there's a lot of ways that you can go in life? There's a lot of paths, there's a lot of roads, there's a lot of avenues, there's a lot of streets, there's a lot of ways. So how am I going to get the right way? You're going to choose. 
How are you going to choose? God's going to show you what the right way is. He makes the choice really easy. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Which way do I go? Follow the light. Whichever is lit up, that's the way to go. God makes it, our choices, very simple. Amen? So you've got to choose to love God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply. How many want to live and multiply? Notice, you don't have to choose to live or to multiply. You can choose to live and multiply. Say, I want to live and I want to multiply. God wants to help you live. Does there anybody know how to live better than God? He's been living forever and ever and ever, always was, always will be, always has been, amen. No beginning, no end. God knows how to live. Can he teach us how to live? Absolutely. That's what he wants us to do. God wants you to live and multiply. I'm so glad we don't have to take one or the other. We can have both. Amen. God will make you a pie and you can have the whole pie. You don't just have to have a piece. You don't don't just get a piece of the rock. You get the whole rock with God. Amen. We get the whole rock. We get the whole enchilada. How many has ever seen Home Alone, right? He was excited when he got his very own cheese pizza that he didn't have to share with all of his brothers and sisters, right? When he was all alone, he could eat his cheese pizza. Well, God's given us a cheese pizza, every one of us. Amen? You got your own cheese pizza from God or whatever pizza you like, right? And... There's another conjunction. So God wants you to live and multiply and the Lord your God shall bless you in the land where you go to possess it. He wants you to live, multiply, and he will bless you. Does that sound like a sweet deal? Sounds like a great deal to me. Amen. Okay. Let's look at verse 17. Now, these are people that didn't choose right. Okay, but if your heart turn away, how does a person's heart turn away? They choose the wrong thing. They stop choosing God and they choose an alternative, the world, the flesh, the enemy, whatever. Right. Some people choose a career over a relationship with God. Some people choose to do other things that God would like them to do. But if your heart turn away, now he's about to introduce some consequences. You know, the Bible tells us, it gives us both sides of the coin. So that you will not hear. You know, when a person makes a choice to turn away, go the opposite direction that God wants them to go, they stop hearing his voice. And when you stop hearing God's voice, I guarantee you that there's another voice that you're hearing. It's the voice of the enemy who lies so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. His only weapon is deception. So people who choose to turn away, they stop hearing God's voice. And if you stop hearing God's voice, you cut off your source of information to make right choices. 
How many know it's important to hear God's voice? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Right? Okay? So that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. Solomon, he was a son of David, and God, he offered a thousand bulls, and God's, God's, after that offering, God showed up in a dream and he said, ask me for whatever you want. See, God celebrates lavish giving. And Solomon said, I want wisdom to govern your people because they're so great. And God says, okay, I'll give you wisdom, but I'll also give you what you didn't ask for, riches and honor. Right? So Solomon had wisdom, he had riches, and he had honor. But Deuteronomy 17.17 says, don't get involved in horses or women. And Solomon had 40,000 horses and 700 women. And what you, you can read Solomon's life at the end of his life. The Bible said his wives turned his heart away from God. He made wrong choices. If you think you can please 700 women, you make a wrong choice. <laughs> Keep it simple. Just one. Amen. Just one. God gave you one. Please that one. Amen. Okay, so people make a choice to turn away and they stop hearing God and they're drawn away and they worship other gods and they serve them. They start getting involved in their active idolaters. They start serving the God that they're worshiping that can't speak, can't talk, can't walk. All right. Um. I denounce to you this day that you shall surely perish. That's a consequence of a negative choice. Perishing is a negative consequence of a negative choice. And that you shall not prolong your days in the land. That means your life will be cut short. Oh, why did they die at a young age? Maybe they made a wrong choice. Maybe they allowed something to come into their life. Amen? People want to blame God for when things like that happen. God's not the author of confusion, nor is he the author of death. Amen? God's the author of life. God wants people to fulfill their plan. The devil doesn't want you to fulfill your plan. So if you didn't fulfill your plan and your life was cut short, who got involved? Who got involved? Come on. The devil. He got in there to steal, kill, and destroy. Did did you know that when someone wants to go rob a place, they don't go in the front door? Well, maybe in some places today. (laughs) Today is a different story, right? Because we see that. But most of the time, thieves don't go through the front door, do they? They try to find in a back way or when it's dark or under the cover of darkness so that they can sneak in and sneak out without being detected. That's what a thief normally does. But, you know, there's a, there's a spirit in our world today that's emboldened thieves. And they become more, more brazen and more boldened in their actions. Okay? All right? Let's read on. So that you, you, you shall not prolong your days upon the land where you go over to the Jordan to, to possess. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth 
to recount this day against you. The witnesses who witness our choices are heaven and earth. Heaven is listening to the choices that we make. It's watching how we come to that conclusion, how we made that choice. We make the choice on earth. So heaven and earth are witnesses against the choices that we've made. We can't say, he did it, they did it, she did it. No, I did it. And when you make a bad choice, own up to it. Adam and Eve, they chose to sin, didn't they? They, God specifically told them in the garden, you can have all these other trees, but this one tree that was in the center of the garden, do not eat of it or you will die. But someone started listening to another voice other than the voice of God. It was the voice of the serpent. You're not going to die. Did God really say, oh, honey, child, you're not going to die. Look good for food. Good to taste. And it's going to make me wise. And Adam and Eve chose to do what God said not to do. Knowing they made that choice, knowing what the consequence would be. You were going to die. Eve took the fruit, turned around, gave it to her sweetheart, Adam, who was right there. Come on. She didn't have to go get him. He was right there with her. And he had the authority to, he, was, he had the authority to exercise pest control, didn't he? Who gave him that authority? God gave him that authority. God gave him authority over every creep, over every crawly, over every animal, right? But he didn't exercise his authority. He chose to do something that God said not to do. They took that fruit. Besides, God didn't want a tree to teach them about good and evil. God would have taught them about good and evil. How many know God didn't say for us to go to the tree and get wisdom? Now, there are people in this, on this planet that value a tree more than a human life. They're called tree huggers, right? But God would have told them about good and evil. He didn't need a tree to teach him. I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Adam made a choice, and his choice resulted in him being separated from God. The next day when God walked into the garden, instead of walking with God, Adam was hiding from God. He was separated from God. Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. What was he doing? He was giving Adam an opportunity to admit his choice, to own up to his choice. You know, if you make a bad choice, that's one thing. But if you don't own up to that choice, that's a whole other thing. Right? Where are you, Adam? Oh, I was hiding because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? That woman that you gave me. He, does, he doesn't own anything. 
He starts to blame shift immediately. When sin comes in, you start to blame shift. It's someone else's fault. It's not my fault. Did you eat of the fruit? Uh, well. Yeah, he, he made the choice. You know, that was an opportunity for him to receive more mercy. When God calls you out of something that you've done or a choice that you've made that isn't right with God, he's given you an opportunity to receive mercy. Amen? Adam could have received mercy, but instead he chose to blame someone else for his choice. And so the consequences became greater. Who knows what the mercy of God would have done? But he, in that moment, he chose to reject mercy by blaming someone else for his actions. If you mess up, fess up. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, if you mess up, fess up. How many know if you're, if you're caught doing something you shouldn't do, it's always better to tell the truth because a lie just gets you into more trouble. Is that right? Just be honest. Did you eat that cookie? Yes, I ate that cookie. <laughs> okay. I call heaven and earth this day to test against you. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Notice God sets these things before us, but notice what he says. Therefore, choose life. God gives us a test, but he gives us the answer to the test. How hard can that test be? I would that you choose life. Hey, the right answer to the question is life. Choose life. Amen? I would that you choose life. That both you and your seed may live. If you want to live, you got to choose life. Amen? How many want to live? So choose life. Whose life? Jesus' life. Holy Spirit is life. The Word is life. Right? Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God. See, living is equated with loving God. If you really want to live, you got to really love God. Amen? Do you really love God? Have you surrendered everything to Him? Or are you... Are you do, Do you present your life as a buffet to God and you can say, you can have this, but not these beans over here. These beans are mine. No, if you put it on the smorgasbord, everything belongs to God. You can't keep secret things from for yourself and not give them to God. You got to surrender all to God. And if you haven't come to the place of surrendering fully yet, you need to. Because that's going to produce life. Amen? Choose that you may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cleave unto him. Hallelujah. We got to cleave unto God. That means hang on to him he, for life. Amen. Not let go. Hold him tight. Get a good grip on God because he's got a good grip on you. And the length of days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord your swear to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Amen? Everybody say, there, before me there are choices. 
All right? Is the choice clear? Life and death, blessing or the curse. Isn't that clear? Hmm, let me see. It's a multiple choice question. Life? Yes. Death? No. Blessing? Yes. Curse? No. Amen? It's like voting. You get to vote for your future. And the results will find their source in only one place, you. You want to change your future? Change your choices. You want to change your life? Change your choices. Amen? Simple things, but have great impact. Okay? Hallelujah. Uh, Pull up uh, Psalm 119, verse 30. Psalm 119, verse 30. Just want you to see this here. Psalm 119, verse 30. It says this, I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments have I laid before me. Say, I've chosen the way of truth. What what are you going to get for that choice? You're going to get blessing. You're going to get reward. You're going to get fulfillment and satisfaction. Amen? Because there are choices that are set before us. All right? Um, Go to verse 173. Same chapter, 173. (laughs) Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, 173. Let your hand help me, for I have chosen your precepts. What are his precepts? His principles, his law, his, his word, amen? Have you chosen the word? Have you chosen the right way? Have you chosen the truth? Amen? It's our choice. Glory to God. All right? Many are the plans in a man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. How many know that we can come up with a lot of things, but the main thing is God has a purpose for each one of us. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of us, and it's his purpose that needs to be fulfilled in our life. Amen? You've got to go after God's purposes. All right? Go with me to Genesis chapter 13. We're going to see someone who made a choice. All right? Genesis chapter 13 is a story about Abram. Okay? And uh, he made a choice. He made a choice to obey God. In Genesis 12, God told him, he said, I want you to leave your country, leave your father's house, leave your homeland, and go where I'm going to show you, right? And we know that Abraham chose to obey God because he left, didn't he? Right? He took all of his stuff and he left, okay? Now, Genesis 13, and uh, let's, we're going to start with verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt... And uh, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. So Abram is very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. Amen? Guess what? Rich, rich people are in our heritage, of, uh, in our family heritage of, of faith. 
Amen? You could, go, you could trace our family line and you could see a lot of people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Esther, Rahab, uh, Jehoshaphat, David, all these people were rich and they loved God. You can be rich and love God. Amen? Why did the Bible record that? Because it recorded it for us. Say, rich is, richness is in my family line. Say it again. Say, riches are in my family line. One more time for good measure. Riches are in my family line. What made Abraham rich? Was he so smart? No, it was the blessing that he got in verse 12, in chapter 12. The blessing is a divine empowerment that that gives you the ability. Amen? Some people think they can be rich by working 60 hours a week. Working your regular hours plus all kinds of overtime. Listen, the blessing of the Lord will make you rich and add no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord takes out the toil to become rich. Amen? Some people, the world will want you to toil to be rich. God wants you to believe to be rich. Okay, that's two amens. I didn't write Genesis. Who wrote it? God wrote it. He wrote that in there. He wrote that phrase. He told Moses by the Holy Spirit to write this phrase about Abram. Okay? All right, let's go on. Verse 3. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. Bethel means the house of God. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. I know it's Abram, but I'm calling him Abraham because we know he's Abraham because his name changed, okay? So, Abram, on his journey with God, from the very onset when God called him, he set up a place of worship to God. He set up an altar. He, made, he gave offerings to God. He talked with God. God communed with him. Everywhere Abram went, he built an altar of worship. Okay? Why? Because you need to keep hearing God on the journey. You need to keep close to God so that you can make right choices. You need to involve God into your everyday life so that you can make right choices. Amen? Am I talking the truth today? Hallelujah. Are you awake this morning? So this was Abraham journeyed to the place of his first altar and he called upon God. Because how many know as you travel, you're going to need constant input of where to go, where to camp, when to leave. Amen? Does your GPS talk to you once on a 200-mile trip or does it talk to you more than once? More than once? So if we keep in constant communication with the GPS, how much more important is it to keep in constant communication with God? God is greater than the GPS. Amen? Okay. Verse 5, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks, herds, and tents. Lot was Abram's nephew. Lot didn't hear from God. It's not recorded that he heard from God. It's recorded that Abraham heard from God. 
Abraham was blessed, but Abram took Lot with him because Lot was his, was Abraham's brother's son, his brother Haran. Okay? Abraham was called out of Haran that was in Ur of the Chaldees, which is in Iraq. So Haran died, so Abraham felt obligated to, to uh, oversee his nephew, Lot. He, t- he was taking care of Lot. He was providing for Lot. Okay? Did you know that Abraham is the most knowledgeable man in the Bible? You know why? He knew a lot. So I want you to notice that the blessing will affect those who are with you. Lot had flocks, herds, and tents. So Abraham had flocks, silver, and gold, plus he had tents. And Lot, who was with him, had flocks, herds, and tents. Okay? Between Abraham and Lot, it was very intense. <laughs> amen. I'll take the old miser. Amen. <laughs> Doesn't matter. All right. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. Can you imagine two people having so much stuff that the land can't take care of both of them? That's a lot of sheep. That's a lot of goats. That's a lot of cows. Amen. For two people to be in a place that they can't sustain, they got so much stuff that they can't sustain it. Sounds like they have more than their rooms can contain. Alright? For, okay, why, why couldn't the land sustain them? Verse 6, their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. Say their substance was great. What does that mean? They had a lot of stuff. Okay? And now here's the key. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land, so they had competition for grazing land between the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Okay? So, Abram did not want strife to flourish or thrive in any way, shape, or form, so he made a choice. Okay? Abraham chose to stifle strife. See, if you don't stifle strife, it'll stifle you. Do you know what strife is associated with? It's associated with hatred. Hatred stirs up strife. Uh, It's associated with pride and presumption. Uh, It's associated with scoffing, uh, contention, dishonor. Strife is associated with uh, being argumentative, quarrelsome, uh, touchy, antagonistic, or (laughs) hot-blooded. Say, I have none of those. (laughs) Strife comes out of arrogance and greed. Strife comes up out of anger, with a hot temper, undisciplined, and Strife comes when you're discussing who's, who's the greatest between you and someone else. In Mark chapter 9, the, the disciples were discussing who's the greatest. You know, that's why they couldn't cast out the devil that was in that boy's son. 
Because the guy said, I brought them to your disciples because they couldn't cast them out. Why? They were arguing about who's the greatest. And guess what? If you're arguing about who's the greatest, you're not in the spirit. Amen? And you don't have any power. Okay? So all those are scriptures where strife comes from. So Abraham... He did not want strife to occur because James says, with strife comes, it brings every evil work. All, all, all you need to do for all the evil to come is to be full of strife. Okay? So Abraham had a value. He had a zero tolerance for strife. Okay? So he's about to make a choice. Verse 8. Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we are brethren. Okay? He, he confronted strife right there because he made a choice that he was, he was not going to allow strife to uh, happen or to get bigger. You, you got to cut it off. Amen? Okay? Here's what Abram said, verse 9. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. Now, mind you, Abram is the uncle. Lot is the nephew. Abram is the elder. Lot is the younger. Okay? Nephews don't normally tell uncles what to do. Uncles tell nephews what to do. Right? Abram could have said, listen, Lot, I don't like this strife. We're going to stop it. You need to go. Go where you need to go. But he let, he let Lot choose. Why? Abraham had faith in God. Abraham knew that God would work out anything for good for his life. So he allowed, he allowed Lot to make the choice. Abram stopped the strife by giving his choice to Lot. He was operating in love. See, a dictator would have said, you need to go. I'm going to go here. You need to go there. But Abraham didn't do that because Abraham made a choice to obey God. And he knew that God would work it out for his better and for his good. Now watch. Okay. He said, if you will go to the left, then I'll go to the right. If you depart to the right, then I'll go to the left. Isn't that amazing what Abraham did? And Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld the plain of Jordan. All the information that Lot had to make that decision was natural input. Only what he could see with his physical eyes. But you know what? You can't see the spirits with your physical eyes unless they appear. You can't see, you can't read between the lines with your physical eyes of what the atmosphere is or what the environment is. All Lot saw was the green grass, was uh, the lush uh, landscape. All he saw was uh, that he was going to take care of himself, his, his herds, his flocks, and how it was going to benefit him. Lot was only thinking about himself. Abraham was thinking about his heritage. Because Abraham knew that he was going to be a father of many nations, right? So he had to make a greater choice. He had to be the bigger man. Amen? 
He chose to do the right thing. I know some people think that, man, if I was Abraham, I just told Lot where to go. <laughs> you right? I'm going to give Lot a piece of my mind. You might not want to give him a piece. You need all the pieces you can get. <laughs> just, okay. So Lot lifted up his eyes. And he beheld the plain of Jordan that it was a well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See, Lot didn't see that Sodom was there. He didn't see that Gomorrah was there. He didn't see the wickedness. You see, if you make a choice with limited information, it could get you into trouble. You need all the information that you can get to make the right choice. You need God's, you need someone who knows everything to give you information about the choice that you're about to make. Lot didn't have that. Okay? So, Lot chose the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east and separated themselves, the one from the other. All right? Notice, go back to verse 10. Okay, uh, He saw that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Solomon and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. All he saw was the garden and Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. So he's, he's making his choice based on limited information. Right? Verse 12. Then Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom, which we know because we know the story, it caused a lot of grief in his family. It caused a lot of heartache and his wife became a pillar of salt as a result of it. (laughs) She was a fire by night, but a pillar by salt by day. (laughs) Look at verse 13. See, He couldn't see beyond what he could see with his physical eyes. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord. How exceedingly. Everybody say exceedingly. That's a bad place. You don't want to pitch your tent next to that place. But with limited information, you're going to make that choice. Some people choose to take a job where there's no church there. Okay, you're making money, but where's your connection with God? Don't disconnect yourself from the blessing. Don't disconnect yourself, the one that has all the answers. Don't disconnect yourself from the one that loves you perfectly and unconditionally. Amen? Okay, now look, here's verse 14. We see the, the, the reward of his right choice. Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after Lot was separated from him, oh, God says, I've been waiting to tell you this, boy. Woo, you made a good choice. Say, Abram made a good choice. How do we know a good, he made a good choice? Because God's getting about ready, he's getting ready to reward him. Okay? Now, different, Abraham had different vision because he trusted in someone different. The Lord said unto Abram, after Lot was separated, lift up your eyes. Now look from the place where you are, east, south, North, east, north, south, east, west, for all the land which you see to you will I give it and to your seed for a day, for a week, forever. Everybody say forever. 
Who got the greater blessing? Abraham got the greater blessing because he made the better choice. He got all that he could see in any direction. Lot was limited. Lot had limited vision. He could only see the green grass. He could only see the water, but he couldn't see the evil. He couldn't see the bad. But see, God sits in the skybox. He has a greater perspective. He gets a hold of Abram just like those the people do on the coach in football, right? And they give him information that the coach doesn't have so that he can make a good decision. For all the land which you see, who had greater vision? Abraham had greater vision. He got all that he could see. What are you seeing in your life today? What do you see in your life? Do you see prosperity? Do you see health? Do you see salvation? Do you see victory? You got to see it. Amen? Say, God will give me what I can see. That's why he tells us to always look to the Lord. He always says, set your eyes on things above. Right? We ought to be constantly looking to God. Verse 16, and I will make your seed as the dust of the earth. A man who was fatherless is going to have seed as the dust of the earth. How many ever counted dust? I lost track. I got to one and that was it. It's like dust is everywhere. It's innumerable. God took a man who was fatherless and gave him descendants as the dust. Can you say amen? So the choice that Abraham made affected his future. It affected generations after him. Choices are, there are some choices in life that are very important. Okay? Then shall your seed be also be numbered. Verse 17, arise, walk through the land in the length, the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. See, once you see it, you got to walk in it. Once you see it, you got to possess it. Once you see it, you got to own it. Once you see it, you got to have it. How do you have it? You take possession of by walking. Every place where the sole of your foot shall tread. I'm walking in the promises of healing. I'm walking in by his stripes. I am healed. I'm walking in the fact that he, my barns are filled with plenty and my vats burst out with new wine. I'm walking in the fact that God has a plan for me. I'm walking in the fact that I hear the Holy Spirit's voice. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm walking in it. Once you see it, you've got to walk in it. That's the Christian life. Once you know what God has given you, you've got to start acting like it. You've got to start talking like it. You've got to start living like it. That's what he told Abraham to do when he said walk in it. Verse 18, Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord there. Come on, somebody. He's in constant communication with God wherever God takes him so he doesn't make a wrong turn, so he doesn't take a wrong direction. He's making right choices because he's connected to God. Amen? A person who is not connected to God will not make right choices. You can't. How can you be disconnected from the truth and choose true things? You can't. If you, if you disconnect yourself from the, source of the, from the source of truth, how are you going to operate in truth? I'm disconnected. My, look, my plug's plugged in. Yeah, but the wire's cut. The lamp doesn't work because the wire's cut. Yeah, you're plugged in, but it's cut. It's been severed. 
Because you chose a curse and you chose death over the blessing in life. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter uh, 24. Joshua chapter 24. Hallelujah. Mm. Is this helping anybody today? Say, I'm responsible for my choices. Yeah. No one's going to be, no one else is responsible for your choices. What you choose to do, how you choose to respond. Okay? You know, um, God, you know, Joshua got to see a lot of things. Because he was a slave in Egypt. And when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, Joshua became Moses' servant. And when they, when they left Egypt, they encountered the Amalekites. That was the first encounter outside of Egypt. And Amalekite was going to attack Israel. And Moses said to Joshua, go, get, go choose out some men and go fight Amalek. He said, I'm going, to sit on the, I'm going to sit on the mountain, and as long as my hands are raised, we're going to win the battle. As long as you're praising, you're going to win. As long as you're looking to God, you're going to win. As long as you're worshiping, you're going to win. The devil can't beat you worshiping God. The devil can't beat you praising God. And Moses sat on that mountain while Joshua won the battle. His arms got tired, and Aaron and Hur held up his arms. Right? And that's where he said, uh, it's the Lord's banner, his victory, Jehovah Nisi. Hallelujah. So Joshua saw a lot. Then Joshua became Moses' successor. How'd you like to be Joshua? Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise, now go into this land. Stop mourning the past and start moving in your purpose. Some of you have been mourning over your past, but now it's time to move in your purpose. Get over the past. What are you, a grave robber going back in the tomb and trying to make it work? No. You don't, you don't go back in the tomb. You go forward. Amen? You know, when, when Jesus stood at Lazarus' tomb and he called him out, he said, oh, we didn't do it right. Let's do it again. No. He didn't, he didn't send Lazarus back into that tomb. He said, loose and let him go. Amen? Some of you have been out of the tomb, but you got grave clothes on you. You got to be loosed and let go. Maybe you need to be loose today so that you can be let go. All right, Joshua 24, verse 15. Actually, verse 14. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Honor, reverence, and respect. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Honor, reverence, and respect. Everybody say honor, honor, reverence, and respect. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? And serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the side of the flood. You need to put away the things that distract you from God. Okay? And in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15. This is the declaration that Joshua made. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say, as for me and my house. house. What does that mean? Anybody that's in your house. 
Your house has to choose. Amen? And the head of the house needs to choose. If you're the head, choose. If you're the only one, you're the head. You're the whole enchilada. Amen? You're all. You're it. Right? Who's ever in your house. And if the head doesn't make the right choice, then you choose to serve God. As for me and my house, we choose you this day whom you will serve. You need to choose who you're going to live for. You need to choose who you're going to serve. You need to choose who you're going to love. It's your choice. God will not make you love him. You can't stop him from loving you, but he will not make you love him. You got to choose to do that. Amen? Aren't you glad Esther made a choice? She said, if I perish, I perish. She made a choice to go before the king before she was summoned. Because if you go before the king and you're not summoned, you would be dead. But Haman had this evil plot to take out the Jews. It was approved by the king because the enemy operates in deception. And Mordecai got wind about it. And he told someone who was in authority that could make a difference. Esther was the queen. Hallelujah. She was put in that position by God for such a time as this. And Esther had a choice. Am I going to perish? Am I going to just let this slide? No. I'm going to make a choice to risk my life to save my people and to honor God. And Esther chose to go before the king. She decked out in her royal garb. She was looking good, smelling good. She was the king's favorite. Right? And she walked into that throne room. And what did he do? He extended the scepter of favor. Amen? But Esther made a choice. To obey God. To do something risky. To do something great. To put her life at risk to save others. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? I'm glad Abraham made a choice to obey God and became the father of our faith. Amen? He, 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 he became righteous by faith. He believed God and it was credited unto him for righteousness, just like we are. And everyone who has faith in God is a son or daughter of Abraham. Hallelujah. Amen? I'm so glad that Peter chose to let Jesus use his boat. I'm so glad that he allowed Jesus to get into his boat and to preach a message. And as a result of that choice, he he got the greatest catch of fish that he ever had. He made one choice that led to the blessing on his life. He had walkaway income. Peter had a family. He was married. Why? Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Don't know if he had kids. I'm sure that he did. But he was able to walk away from fishing and serve Jesus, and his family didn't lack anything. Come on, somebody. He chose the blessing. Amen? And even when he didn't feel like casting that net, he chose to obey the word. He chose to override his feelings. Yeah, I told all night. Doesn't matter. Cast out that net, man. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad that little Zacchaeus chose to climb that tree in Luke 19 to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He was the head tax collector. He was the chief IRS officer. Nobody liked the tax collectors because they worked for Rome. The Jews didn't like them. And they would lie about the amounts that they were asking because they would give what Rome required, but then they took the rest for themselves. 
Everybody despised the tax collectors. But Zacchaeus was short, and he wanted to see Jesus, so he made a choice. I'm going to choose to run and climb up this tree. It's, it's like a little boy wanting to see the parade. Amen. He knew that Jesus was coming his way, so he's going to make a choice to climb up that tree. And he's sitting in that tree. He's waiting for Jesus. Oh, here comes Jesus. I'm so excited. Ooh. You know, it's like when, in the parade when they throw candy. The little kids are like, I want the candy. And what did that choice do for Zacchaeus? Jesus looked up into that tree and says, Zacchaeus, today I'm having lunch with you. Today salvation has come to your house. A little choice to climb a tree to see Jesus changed the, the course of his family line. That tax collector got born again. How do we know he got born again? Any tax collectors that are willing to give you money back, they got born again. Amen? He said, if I've, if I've wronged anybody, I'll give them four times. Four times. One little choice changed the course of his life. I'm so glad the Syrophoenician woman, her daughter was vexed with the devil in Matthew 15. And she made a choice to go after Jesus. And in the process, she got saved and her daughter got healed and delivered from demonic oppression. Was that a good choice? Yeah. She had, she had to humble herself under God's mighty hand. Jesus ignored her. The, pop, the, the disciples said, send her away. Jesus said, you're of the wrong race. Ooh, that, that'd be big today. They'd be calling Jesus a racist. Then, then, to top it all off, he called her a dog. I'm not, I'm not meant to give bread to the dogs. Oh, but she says, I just need a crumb. Yeah, I am a dog. I've been living like it. See, how did the devil get into the house in the first place? He just doesn't force his way in. He's got to be let in. You know, if the devil's operating in your house, he didn't bang down the door. You let him in. How'd you let him in? You chose. Oh, how did that daughter, devils just don't come in and possess people that free, you know, whenever they want to. They got to get your permission. So however that woman was living in that household, it allowed that devil to come into her family and possess her daughter. Grievously vex her daughter. Amen. They don't just come in without, uh, there's no, the curse causeless shall not come. There's always a cause. But she made a choice to go after Jesus publicly. She raised her voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. She didn't hold back. And, and she got the crumb, amen? Say she got the crumb. Why? Because that's, her daughter was healed. So was that choice worth it? Yes, it was. Amen? How about Mary? Lazarus' sister in John 12, she chose to give Jesus a year's wage in an alabaster box. She chose to anoint him with a, an oil, an ointment that cost a year's wage, probably around $62,000. And, and Judas was like, we should, we should have sold that oil and give to the poor, like Judas was given to the poor. He was stealing from Jesus. If you steal from Jesus, you are no, you are no way given to the poor. 
Judas was stealing from Jesus. He was the treasurer. The Bible says he was a devil from the beginning. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. There's no way he would have sold that oil. Well, he would have sold it and kept the money for himself. That's what he would have done. He certainly wouldn't have given, and he's going, this should be given to the poor. Give me a break. You mean to tell me something that you invest in Jesus is, is, is less than giving someone who's poor? No, any investment in Jesus is the best investment. Your time, talent, and treasure, when you invest that in Jesus, you're going to get the greatest return you ever imagined. Amen? <laughs> I'm so glad Hannah chose to pray about her childlessness instead of complain about it. She was being persecuted by Elkanah's other wife. You know, when you got two wives, you got problems. There was strife all, all in that place. And, and Elkanah says, oh, I love you more than ten sons. And Hannah's like, I'm going to slap you, boy. <laughs> she says, I want a son. <laughs> right? So she took her, she made a choice to go to God. And she went to God and she prayed. She got tired of being mocked. She got tired of being criticized. She says, I'm going to go to the source. She went to the source. She prayed. And guess what? God gave her a prophet named Samuel who anointed the first kings, who was so powerful that his words didn't fall to the ground. That means what he said happened. Amen? Choices, say choices matter. All right? How do you make good choices? Anybody want to know how to make good choices? Okay, that's five of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We all want to know how to make good choices, right? Number one, you got to get knowledge. You got to get information. Amen? Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will direct your paths. There's no, there's no one that knows more about the choice you got to make and all, all the options than God. God sees everything that's on the table. He sees the things that we don't see. He knows the things that we don't know. So it, it makes sense to go to God and get knowledge, right, about the choices that you make. Number two, you got to have a firm foundation. you got to be rooted and grounded in God. Ephesians 3.17 says be rooted and grounded in God. Amen? Rooted and grounded in love. Love is God is love. You got to have a firm foundation which is Jesus Christ. And you got to have a desire to, to please God. Amen? Number three, in order to make a good choice, you got to have faith. Faith comes by, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing what? Hearing God's word. Amen? If you want to make a good choice, the word knows how to choose, right? Did you know that God chose you? He made a good choice. Say, God chose me, and he made a good choice. He did. He made a good choice. There, there's no choice that God makes that's bad. If God chose you, he made a good choice. That's how valuable you are to him. Amen? So faith acknowledges God. Faith has the... the um, faith has the, reflects the, the righteousness, holiness, and godliness of God. 
All right? So you got faith is committed to God's word and his will. All right? If you want to make a good choice, put God first. Put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We got to have a, you know, the Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 10, uh, 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Everything that you do, you got a desire to glorify God. I mean, glorify God while you're eating? Yes. Glorify God. while you're, That just means you glorify God every day, any way that you can in all your life. Amen. So you put God first. And uh, here's, here's the thing. If you want to make good, good choices, pray. <gasps> pray. Have a talk with God. Say, God, what do you think about this? Say, God, should I, should I go this direction? Should I do this thing? Pray. How many decisions that people make and they don't pray? They're, they're only looking at, they're, they're like Lot. Lot didn't pray. He just looked. He went with what he saw with his physical senses. He had no spiritual input in his decision. And Abram had to rescue him. Amen? Why? Because his choice ended up in a mess. But he couldn't see that because he didn't have the information because he didn't pray. Amen? And then seek godly counsel. The Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. Ever say the multitude? Who are your counselors? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. Those are my counselors. Holy Spirit, Father God, amen. God's given us a book of counselors. My goodness, he wrote a whole book called Proverbs about wisdom and understanding. Oh my goodness, 31 Proverbs, one for every day. Amen? Seek godly counsel. Plans are established by counsel. (laughs) The reason our country's in trouble because they have the wrong counsel. Because they counsel them in lies and things that are not true. Did you know? uh, Well, no, I, I shouldn't say that. The Bible says that when Absalom... David's son undermined him and tried to take the throne from him, that God put a counselor there named Ahithophel that would purposely give false counsel to Absalom so his plans wouldn't work. Amen? And they didn't come to pass, and Absalom ended up dying when his hair got caught in the tree. (laughs) So we have choices. I want to close with this. Go to Habakkuk chapter 3. He's the fourth from the end. If you find Zephaniah, he's right there. Habakkuk chapter 3. Notice this, verse 17. This is so powerful. Habakkuk 3.17. He made a conscious choice to praise God. This is actually his prayer. This is how he ends his prayer in chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not blossom, 
and there is no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive fails, the fields produce no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will shout exultation in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on high places for the Amen? So when things don't look like they're going good, when things don't look like they're coming to pass, when things don't look like they're happening, he made a decision. There's, there's no cattle in the stall. There's no figs on the vines. There's no grapes. There's no nothing. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to choose to exalt God. I'm going to look to God because I don't look to my circumstances. I choose to override my circumstances, and I choose to put my faith in God. Amen? And that's what we need to do. It's all about choices. With every choice, choices means there's options. Well, if there's a lot of options, which option is the best? Get God's perspective. He, he knows exactly which one is the best. Which one will benefit you the most? Amen? God knew that I needed a wife. And so... He helped me make the right choice. I chose a good one. Amen? She keeps me on the straight and narrow. Because sometimes I get a little crooked. I get, you know, she makes, makes sure that I hit the mark. Amen? And we, we chose to follow after God. Do I regret that choice? Not one day. I don't regret all the hard things and the difficult things we face. I don't regret it because God is good. Amen? I don't regret giving my life to God. The greatest decision I ever made. So God wants to help you in your choices today. It's very clear. Before you today is the blessing and life or the curse and the death. And God says, I would that you choose life. Amen? Who wants to choose life today? Stand to your feet. We're going to choose life. And if you've made a mistake in life, you can choose to repent. Or, did you know that the the, the prodigal son, he could have stayed in the pig pen? Or he could have went home. And he chose to go home. Isn't that the greater blessing? I mean, the mud didn't provide for him. The mud didn't, didn't clothe him. The mud didn't embrace him. But when he went home to the father's house, he found forgiveness. He found acceptance. He was welcomed. He was restored. Amen? So he made a choice. And today, if there are things, if there are mistakes that you have made, I just want you to repent before God in the name of Jesus. You don't have to confess your sins to me, the priest. No. You confess your sins to the high priest. Jesus said, if you confess your sins to me, I am faithful and just, and I will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There is forgiveness, but you've got to choose to repent. In the name of Jesus. I want you just to give God some praise in this place today. And while you're praising, if any-